0: What the
1: hell is the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast.
0: Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant.
1: Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies
0: next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers.
1: And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's
0: Ballsy with a Z.
1: So sit back, relax, that's relaxed with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z
0: podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News sports podcast ballsy hello everybody what do you what is that eric red
1: barber bell allen is that is that the way they would open a podcast
2: i'm not sure how they would do it they, they probably invented the podcast <laughs> they did
0: thing. uh and then and that uh is the i'm kevin sherrington that's barry horn and and the man who was just asked that question the great eric Nadell. thanks for joining us on the podcast today eric how's everything today Well, it's great to have you. Everything's great until you have to go to the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, Listen, (laughs) I'm having the hardest time figuring out this Rangers team this year. Eric, it seems like to me, more so than in a few years, it's just hard to get a grasp of what the Rangers are and where they're going.
2: I think that's true. You know, I think we've got a pretty good idea that this is a very productive offense, particularly when they've got everybody in the lineup or almost everybody. Starting rotation – Seems to be pretty solid, you know. Even in the games that have been pitched by the non-starting five, you know they've done well. The bullpen is a great variable, and I think the ups and downs this team has had uh, have largely related to how the bullpen's going at the time.
0: What uh, What do you think they're going to end up having to do about that? I mean, you watch uh, Matt Bush Monday night uh, come in, and he he had a couple of pretty good outings. Not not great, but a couple of pretty good ones, and then just really kind of fell apart There is. Do you think, is this job too big for him?
2: I don't think so. I, I think it's too early to tell. Um, personally, I don't think it is. Um, you know, he has enough pitches. Uh, for a while, he was throwing too many fastballs, and he started getting hit. So then he started throwing more breaking balls, and he had some success. But then last night, throwing a lot of breaking balls, he didn't have success. He's got to execute the pitches better. Uh, whether he's able to do that on a consistent basis or not remains to be seen, but you know, I think he has the, the mental fortitude to be the closer. Uh, it's possible that Jeff Bannister is going to have to at some point go back to more of a no-rolls bullpen, where there may be times where Bush pitches in the seventh or the eighth inning and Kella or Leclerc or even Claudio pitches the ninth inning. Uh, it may come to that. It may come to bringing in another arm or two, but everybody's looking for relief help. As I talk to scouts at the ballpark, and there are lots of them for this homestand, it seems to be the main thing that people are looking for. You know, as we get closer to the trading deadline,
1: Eric, what is it? Because we're getting closer to the trading deadline, that the scouts are are everywhere at the ballpark now.
2: Yeah, I think so. Are people are getting more serious, you know, about who might be able to help them, and you know, nobody knows which teams are going to be out of it. You know, in the American League, there really isn't any team that's out of it. Everybody's within five games right now of the wild card spot, the entire league. You know, and in the National League, it's different. You know, two teams are running away with the wild card. But just about everybody else is in their division race. So it's really hard to zero in on trading partners who are definitely going to be sellers. Does
1: does the 2017, do the 2017, 2017 Rangers remind you of any other Ranger team?
2: Oh, I don't know. To tell you the truth, Barry, my, my memory is not good enough to give you a good answer to that oh question. Oh, my God. Maybe, maybe a couple of years ago I could have, but, but not now.
0: Let me ask you this. Uh, let me ask you a question that's relevant to, to right now, as opposed to what Barry was trying to ask you. Uh, is this team going to be a seller or buyer at the, at the deadline?
2: I don't think they'll be a seller. Well, let's put it that way. It's hard for me to imagine the Rangers being within a couple of games of a wild-card spot and selling. And it's also hard for me to imagine that they won't be within a couple of games of a wild-card spot. As I think, as long as you stay at 500 or a little bit over, you're going to be in the race. Whether they're willing to go and buy uh, probably depends a lot on how they're playing as the uh, trade deadline
0: approaches. You know what you hear is that the that the Rangers and John Daniels and we and we noticed about John Daniels he's pretty pragmatic not a guy who uh, sticks his neck out very much or very often uh, which to me looking back at it now seems what was so odd probably about the Prince Fielder and uh, Shinsu Chu acquisitions uh, because they were very expensive uh, to do uh, those things Uh, but what where do you think he stands right now on you Darvish?
2: I don't know. You know, the whole Darvish thing is a real mystery to me, both in terms of what the Rangers want and in terms of what Darvish wants, you know, whether he's really interested in staying here or whether he's just basically playing the Rangers against the teams that might be bidding for him later on. J.D. is pretty good at keeping things close to the vest, and, you know, if there's any serious interest in signing Darvish during the season, um, he really hasn't given any evidence of it. Darvish hasn't given any evidence of a burning desire to stay here, but then again, he certainly hasn't ruled out the possibility. So I think it's like everything else regarding you, Darvish, it is clouded in mystery.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. You know, and I and I tell you, I kind of been all over the map uh, about Darvish. I said before the season that, that I thought they should sign. They should have signed him in the spring. Uh, because it was going to, he was only going to be more expensive after the season. Uh, it was going to cost you more than, than what you really wanted to pay. And, and of course, we, as we know, most of the time, those huge contracts for starting pitchers are a mistake, and they and they get out of hand. But then again, the, the, the flip side of that is this is an organization that has constantly been in search of a number one, of an ace, and, and an organization that has not been able to produce one. Uh, if, they, if they had one, it was somebody that they, uh, traded, for. they traded for or signed. Uh, so it, it, it seems counterproductive uh, not to take advantage of that. But I have to tell you, sitting here right now after watching what Darvish does um, and, and his numbers are always – you look at the numbers overall and since he's been in the league and they're, they're phenomenal and he's right up there with everybody else and, uh, and he has been an all-star. He has been a Cy Young finalist. He's done all the things you want him to do except win some of those big head-to-head matches in, in the playoffs and in, in other times during the regular season. And I think I'm just wondering if that's one of the things that the Rangers are considering as well.
2: Well, they've got to be. You know, it all, it all enters into it. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt that Darvish is better than anybody else they would have as a number one starter going forward. You know, whether he's good enough as a number one starter to be a guy you want to commit 150 or $200 million to is another question. Uh, if you're not going to be able to suitably replace him, then it's hard to imagine not trying to sign him. And, you know, just because to this point Darvish has not won any big games for the Rangers doesn't mean he won't. It doesn't mean that you know for the rest of his career he's not going to be able to ever win a big game for you. Uh, I think that, you know, it's it's a matter of budgets and whether the Rangers really feel they can fit into their budget a $30 million salary for Darvish over the next five or six years.
1: Were you, what what was your reaction to the Tyson Ross start? The other night,
2: I thought his stuff was fabulous. You know, his command was a little bit off, especially in the first inning. But I saw what I used to see when he was pitching for San Diego—a a hellacious slider and a two-seam fastball with a tremendous amount of movement. I was—I was really surprised his stuff was that
0: good. So going forward, you know, we, we see that uh, that both AJ Griffin is on the uh, the sixty-day DL, and then, and then uh, Andrew Kashner is is on the DL as well. Those, those moves seem to be more of a patchwork type thing anyway. Uh, in the second half of the season, what do you see the rotation being? If everybody's healthy. If everybody's healthy.
2: Well, it'll be the, the five they were supposed to have at the beginning of the year, uh, which is you know, Ross and Kashner, Perez, Darvish, and Hamels. And it's odd because right now, if you take those five guys and the club's record in the games they start, it's a losing record. If you take the other five guys who have started games, Dibbens, Dirks, and Martinez, and Griffin, and uh, Claudio, uh, they actually have a winning record. I think they're three or four games over 500. It has a lot to do with when they score runs and when they don't. Uh, but it's interesting. They have not dominated the way they're supposed to dominate you know, with the real starting pitchers working.
0: That is a crazy stat. I, I wasn't aware of that. That, but it does. It does kind of uh, tell you a little bit about this season and where it's gone. I so sense far. a Kevin
1: Sherrington column coming up. That could this. be. Yeah,
0: I, I, that's why I talk to smart people so they give me ideas about what to write. And one last thing about Darvish. Let me ask you about this. One of my uh, opinions I've formulated about him now is that because. His stuff is so great, and and that's very obvious, and the number of pitches, and the and the ball movement, and all of that. But sometimes I think that this is part of the problem for him is that he's not uh, a command pitcher. He's not a guy who's going to paint the black. He's not a, a Greg Maddox. He's not a Cliff Lee. Uh, that's not his thing. And 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 the problem for me with that is that not every night are you going to have the same kind of stuff. And uh, if, you're, if you're a location guy, then more or less you're a location guy all the time. Uh, a team may hit you, but you're going to really be throwing the ball where you want to. Do you think that is an issue for, uh, for Darvish or am I completely off base on that?
2: I don't know. You know, there's all different types of pitchers. There are very few nights when Darvish doesn't have good stuff. And there are no nights where he doesn't have good enough pitches to get outs. You know, he may not have his best slider on a given night, or he may not have his best two-seamer, but he's got enough pitches that he should be able to find stuff that works. But as you say, he is not a command guy. He's not a location guy. And that's the thing that varies the most rather than the stuff. And, you know, it troubles me a little bit when I keep reading about Darvish, reading – uh, watching video and reading scouting reports and all this kind of stuff, he's got good enough stuff. He shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. You know, Chris Sale never looks at a scouting report.
0: Is that right? He never
2: shakes off a sign. He believes that his stuff is good enough that whatever the catcher puts down, if he executes the pitch, it'll have a good result. And his command is good enough that he almost always executes the pitch. You know, I wish Darvish would be able to take that kind of approach.
0: Yeah, I. I he also
2: work a whole lot
0: faster. At that time. Well, yeah, he would. Uh, yeah, that, that's the thing too. for For a guy who look to me, when Darvish came over from Japan, I I looked at him like he's the Tiger Woods of Japan. This this is a guy that everybody there knew about it for a long time. Uh been a star for a long time. And generally speaking, when you have been that, your confidence level is just off the charts, and it's one of the reasons why you're so good. And and I. I don't sense that kind of confidence in Darvish. I, I, what I sense in him when he pitches is that, oh my gosh, these guys have figured me out. I, I have to, I have to try something else. And, and it's, it's not enough to me of a guy says, here's my best stuff. Hit it if you can.
2: Yeah, and it, that's a good point, and it's what we saw so consistently when Darvish would get beaten by the Oakland A's. You know, over the last few years, uh, they would jump on his fastballs early. Well, you know. You shouldn't be able to hit his fastball. Right. Know, he would go to the mound and for some reason he'd be throwing fastballs at 91 or 92 you know, instead of the 95 and 96 you know, that he's capable of throwing. Right. Uh, you know, that sort of thing shouldn't happen against a guy with that type of stuff. Uh, he should be able to just go out and be aggressive and not worry about the other team, quote, ambushing fastballs. 90% of pitchers come out in the first inning and they throw fastballs. Your fastball is supposed to be good enough and supposed to be located well enough that it doesn't get hit, even though people know it's coming.
0: Yeah. All right, let's move over around the diamond a little bit here. Uh, and and uh, Dorr has has been struggling pretty much all year now. In the last couple of weeks, he's he's been hitting much better. Do you feel like that he is finally fixed? What was ailing him?
2: I wouldn't say he's fully fixed. I think he's improved, though. At least he's giving you a competitive at-bat almost every time up. Uh, he still really hasn't gotten hot, and I think that will happen. You know, I, mean, I think the worst thing that happened to O'Dor was he hit two home runs on opening day and probably became two home run conscious. You know, it reminds me, there was one year back in the 80s where B. McDowell was the Ranger leadoff batter. He led off the season by hitting a home run in Baltimore as the first batter of the season. And from that point on, all he wanted to do was hit home runs. I think he might have hit 20 home runs, but he also batted 240, and he never walked, and he struck out a million times.
1: And that memory's you know, pretty I, good, Eric.
0: You remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember O.D. McDowell, too. Yeah, He was an interesting guy. Was an interesting I remember career.
2: individuals better than I remember
0: complete okay. team yeah. seasons. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, uh, someone asks this question. I can't remember what it was, who it was. I <laughs> can't remember? No, well, I was going to say that, that they ask if you could start uh, – um, Pick a Rangers player to start a franchise. Who would you, who would it be? A young player, obviously. And I, I picked Odor. This was last year. And you said Mazzara. Uh, are you still right about that? I think so.
2: I think he's more of a pure hitter. I think he's a guy who will have fewer ups and downs. He's also shown the ability to hit the ball the other way. Uh, he's in the top five in the American League in opposite field hits this year. A lot of teams don't even shift them anymore. And being so young, you know, I think you're looking at a really long career for this guy.
0: Yeah. Does he remind you of anybody in particular?
2: Oh, not really. Not really. There's been a lot of tall, left-handed guys with with swings, sweet swings like he had. Right. Uh, But, you know, I I can't name one particular guy who I'd
1: say he reminds me of. Speaking of tall, left-handed guys who swing let's 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 go to joey gallo for yeah a minute. um this is, is is there a place for him here and what is it well
2: it i think it's probably is the ranger's left fielder you know i'd be surprised if that's not where he winds up uh he could wind up at first base if ronald guzman doesn't prove to be the answer there but i think joey's you know he's a great athlete i think he's going to be a really good outfielder just the way he's become an outstanding first baseman uh but if you're talking about long term, I would think his future is probably in the outfield.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's interesting to me to watch because I I was you know thinking about uh, Joey and uh, you know what kind of numbers he was going to put up and thinking is he going to be another Chris Carter? Is that what he's going to be? Now the, the deal to me, just the difference right away is that. Chris Carter is not even a good first baseman um, and enjoys and a very good first baseman, as you said, not a bad third baseman and a pretty good outfielder. He's, he is a really good athlete. He's fast um, and he's got a good arm. So I think he has all those things going for him. My by, by one concern, playing in the outfield is uh, he's such a big guy that seems to take a toll on those uh, when you're as big as he is.
2: Well, tell that to the Yankees and Aaron (laughs)
0: Judge. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I guess they got no problem with that, do they?
2: They've got a 282-pound guy out there. You know, Frank Howard played the outfield
0: for a long career. That's true. I'm
2: I'm not really as concerned about that, especially since we're going to be moving into an air-conditioned stadium in 2020. You know, and I also don't rule out the possibility of Gallo being the long-term third baseman. You know, he's not a great third baseman, but I think he's at least average over there and could conceivably get better. I think the comparable is probably better if you talk about Mark Reynolds than if you talk about Chris Carter as a guy who you know, Gallo is somewhat like in terms of his skill set. Yeah, that's,
0: that's what, probably
1: what, true. What would be a good – what if you were a Ranger fan and you had a natural expectations, a normal expectations? what should you expect his numbers to be at the end of a season three years from now?
2: Well, you'd expect – hope that he would you know hit 35 to 40 home runs you would hope that he would get enough non-home runs that that would translate into 100 RBIs or more. The batting average these days is irrelevant. You know, as long as he gets walks, you know, keeps the OPS up over you know 800 850, I think that's pretty much what you'd be looking for. He's never going to hit for a high average. You know, you hope it's at least 200, but even that, you know, as long as he gets a lot of walks, it's not that important.
0: Yeah, I will say this, uh, and I said before the season started, that he was up here every day, he'd strike out 300 times. Now, he's not at that pace, but he's at about 250, I think. Uh, but no, you know,
2: he's down now. He, he's down to about 220, 225 now. Is that what it is now? Border, okay. Borderline major league record. The record's 223.
0: <laughs> right. It, it, but, you know, I have to say, watching him most of the time at the play, uh, it doesn't bother me as much. You know, this is not a team full of guys with great approaches at the plate anyway. Uh, and, I don't, and I think right now he's kind of worked himself up to at least the, the average of, of most of the other guys in the lineup, and that's a huge improvement over what it was before this season.
2: I agree, and, and he gives you a competitive at bat every time now too. And I didn't expect him to be this good. I agree with you. I thought he'd strike out 300 times. You know, he actually, before Chris Davis, that's Chris with a C, got hurt last week. He was like eight or ten strikeouts ahead of Gallo. Gallo right. had dropped down to a distant second in strikeouts. And, you know, given the tenor of baseball now and the theme of baseball and the fact that nobody cares anymore about how often you strike out, uh, Gallo's strikeout numbers, if he winds up with 220, five years from now might not even be in the top ten in major league history.
1: That's right. Can I, can I shift? Gears here for a minute without you yelling me, Eric. uh, You got a talk of the town coming up with uh, Brad Sham, Chuck Cooperstein, and will Dave Strader be there? Is he expected to be there?
2: He will not be there in person. We're hoping that he will be able to participate somehow as a uh, as a video participant. We're not sure exactly how. You know, he's undergoing some treatment in Boston, and uh, whatever he's capable of doing, we'll be happy to have. And
1: and just remind us, uh, remind the listeners hundreds of thousands of listeners, what the talk of the town is.
2: Well, it's an event that uh, was actually created out of a dinner party that I gave a few years ago, the first time ever that Brad Sham and Chuck Cooperstein and Ralph Strangis and I had been together in the same place. I was determined to get us all together. And we had a great time, and we were sitting around telling stories. And Karen Cooperstein, Chuck's wife, said, These stories are amazing. You know, I wish people could hear it. They probably would pay to hear them, and we got this idea to create a charity event, which we did. We called it the Talk of the Town, and we've had two of them. This will be the third one. People get to come have a fantastic dinner. It's at Trinity Grows, and then afterwards we have a program that's moderated by John Radigan in which the audience gets to send up questions, and we answer those questions and he decides which ones get answered. This year we're going to try and anticipate some questions based on previous events and come up with some video to go along with some of the questions. So uh, it's going to be a little more elaborate than it's been before. And as you would imagine, with the four major sports represented here, we'll have an unbelievable silent auction.
1: And so what what has been the best question you guys have been asked at one of the first two uh, Talks of the Town? Well, the questions are...
2: Funny questions are usually about your first job in radio, you know, how did you first get into it, most embarrassing moment, you know, best broadcast partner, worst broadcast partner, uh, the, for me, favorite manager to deal with, least favorite manager, for the others, same goes for coaches, uh, various questions about travel, things we like to do on the road. You Know a lot of human interest stuff, much more human interest stuff than the nuts and bolts of the sport that we've covered. Well,
1: Who was the worst partner you've ever worked with?
0: <laughs> I think, is, is that well, a,
1: let him answer. I don't know
0: who's going to answer that.
2: They huh? have all been really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good answer. All right, and you've got another event coming up uh, next month, uh, your birthday bash. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, we've got we've actually got these covered now. The birthday bashes for this year are covered. We have another, one, another concert coming up in January. We'll be announcing the details pretty soon. Uh, it'll be a Fort Worth uh, Focus on Teens benefit. Focus on Teens is the nonprofit that I work with that supports homeless teens, both in Dallas Independent School District and Fort Worth Independent School District. And I'm now doing two concerts a year for them. And the one in January will be to benefit Fort Worth Chapter. And it'll be in Fort Worth. It looks like we'll be doing it at Hyena's Comedy Club in Sundance Square. And the tickets for that will probably go on sale sometime in August. We haven't announced the headliners yet.
1: So your goal in life is to become Don Kirshner, the uh, the impresario, <laughs> the concert promoter. Is that is that right? So curious, uh,
2: I have
0: my eyes more on Bill
1: Graham. Yeah, there you, there, go. there you go. There
0: you go. That's better. I like that. Eric,
1: thanks so much for joining us. We're sorry. Or maybe it's good that Evan wasn't here to participate.
0: I thought it moved a lot better without
1: Evan. Evan it. Is, Evan is flying across America right now. I don't know. I'm not sure. And I'll be out there at the ballpark on Thursday again uh, coming up to you do saying. you like those day games, don't you? I, I, yes, I do. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think that's what, the only thing they trust me to write because I can hit deadline at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And uh, I'll be coming up to you uh, once again saying, Eric, do me a favor. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. All right. See, you, Eric. It's Eric Nadell who is a—he's not in the Hall of Fame. You know, we we always get that wrong. But he's he's a Hall of Fame. He's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame like right. the players are, but he 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 is like all announcers and sports writers recognized by the Hall of Fame as uh, as a Hall of Famer. Correct. In, in and and should be. And should be. Yeah, but but he was good. I was a little taken aback when he said his
0: memory isn't that, isn't that good. No, I I th- you know because people ask me that kind of stuff too all the time, and and I'm of course I can't remember breakfast.
1: But there are guys, there are guys who can tell you everything about well, every game they ever covered. Because here's
0: the thing: remember when we were talking to Barry Travel in our uh Oklahoma, in our Oklahoma slash college podcast? He he remembered the scores of the Oklahoma State, Texas Tech and the Oklahoma Texas Tech. And those State were games. a lot of points. Those, those were, were a lot of points and he, and he knew them right off the top of his head. I'm I'm always I'm always just in awe of him. How do we know he was right? Over. Well, that's just that's, that's a great point. It, mm-hmm. With me, you could be saying anything. You you know, know, all you
1: got to do is sound authoritative when when uh, you when you say I'm something. working on that. I'm working on the authoritative part. But uh, but Eric, Eric was great when well, we have one more podcast to do. You mentioned the Barry Trammell podcast. We had Eric Nadell, a Hall of Famer. Is he our first Hall of Famer we've had in the history of the Balsy podcast?
0: No, we've had Barry Switzer. He's a
1: Hall of Famer. Okay. Yeah. All right. I we've just, had some I'm other just, people. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just We have a asking. lot of Hall of Famers uh, on this podcast. Are you kidding me? Uh, well, because you're a voter in the
0: Texas. It's Texas Sports Hall Sports of Fame. Sports Hall of Fame.
1: Yes, I am. Uh, I was hoping maybe you might nominate me one year. <laughs> yeah, I've bad been, I've been, wa- I've been waiting. Fat
0: chance.
1: All right, so now we're moving on because you've insulted me. We'll we'll move on. Uh, Evan is still flying over America. We'll go to Eddie Sefko. We'll talk the Maverick draft, which is coming up Thursday. Thursday. Mavericks have the ninth pick in the draft. That's the place they took Dirk Nowitzki. Nowitzki. uh, Way way back when. Way back when. Way back when. They didn't actually take him. Well, they traded. Right, he was the ninth pick. They They traded Tractor tractor Trailer. trailer, It was more a... A maverick pick. And yeah, he was. Then, 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 and made that trade. To and get made that the, trade. But, but my question is, I want to, I want to get the answer to this. If they like Dirk that much, why did they risk,
0: perhaps, losing him? I've never asked that question. We'll ask that's Eddie. A good, that's, Maybe Eddie will know. That's
1: a good question. You write these. Right. Well, I'm yeah. going to give you good questions. All right, write thanks these for down. that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. This was another Sports Day DFW ballsy podcast. With the great Eric Nadell, and we're gonna we have Barry Tremel from the Daily Oklahoman talking college football as well as Oklahoma Lincoln Riley. Got a little Tom Herman uh, chatter in there for the Texas fans. And now we're gonna move on to Maverick Draft with Eddie Sefko. Thanks everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast.